Welcome to Good Friday. We're so glad that you're here with us. And today, there's a lot to process today. You know, it's a heavy day as we kind of consider the death of God. But it's also a humbling day as, as we consider why he died. And it's also a hopeful day because we see kind of in reverse through the lens of the resurrection and Easter, that first Easter moment. And so we hope that you join us today as we kind of meditate and reflect and remember. But, but more than that, that you would have an experience today of hope because this story is for you. So let's open a prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for this day. Lord, we thank you for this Good Friday that you went to that that hill Golgotha and you were crucified and you died and you were buried. But Lord, you is because it was part of your plan, this plan of redemption, this plan of bringing us back into right relationship with our creator. So Lord, as we meditate and reflect today as families all across this region, would you Lord Jesus speak to us? Would you humble us? Would you reveal yourself to us? In Jesus name, amen. Well, as we begin the account of the first Good Friday, it's important for us to kind of know some of the events leading up until this moment. Well, Pilate, the Roman ruler of the time, had actually just sentenced Jesus to death. And now he didn't sentence him based on a case that had been true, but he had sentenced him to death based on the mob that had formed that day. You see, they were pressuring him to, to crucify Jesus, to crucify him, crucify him. This mob had been riled up by the religious leaders at that time, and it was actually those religious leaders who had provided a false testimony against Jesus. But during all this time, through a sentencing that wasn't correct, through all of this false testimony, Jesus remained silent. And so as we jump in the story today, we see Jesus carrying his cross, the weight of it bearing on his back on the Via Della Rosa. It's called the Road of Suffering as he made his way eventually up to Golgotha, the hilltop place of his crucifixion. A passerby named Simon, who was from Cyrene, was coming in from the countryside just then, and the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. Simon was the father of Alexander and Rufus, and they brought Jesus to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. They offered him wine drugged with myrrh, but he refused it. Then the soldiers nailed him to the cross. They divided his clothes and threw dice to decide who would get each piece. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. A sign announced the charge against him. It read, the King of the Jews. Uh, previous to this moment, Jesus had been flogged by Roman soldiers. And you know, the trauma and the blood loss of that kind of scourging and punishment would have left Jesus in a weakened state. And so we see these Roman soldiers pull Simon of Cyrene out of the crowd. And this will forever kind of mark what it is to live out the Christian life. You know, one can't help but see this picture and then think of Jesus teaching in, uh, as recorded by Matthew in Matthew 16, 24 to 26. And he says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way and take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? On a hill far away, stood an old rugged cross. 
Revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Ha! Look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests and teachers of religious law also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down from the cross so we can see it and believe him. Even the men who were crucified with Jesus ridiculed him. Well, as this account is read, you can't help but experience and feel how palpable that shame must have been for Jesus on that cross. But that was actually exactly the point of a crucifixion. You see, the Romans used this as a tool to extract the maximal amount of punishment for the person that was on that cross. But not only that, it was also used as a tool to extract the optimal amount of public humiliation for that same person. And yet we see that for many at this place of execution, Jesus on that cross is a caricature for their mockery and for uh, them pointing fingers at Jesus. But for us today, it's a picture of Jesus's great act of love for you and I. There's maybe no better account of an explanation of this than what the writer of Hebrews writes in chapter one, verses one to two. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us throw off every weight and sing sin that, that clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Oh, the old rugged cross, so despised by the world, as a wondrous attraction to me. For the dear Lamb of God left his glory above to bear it to dark Calvary. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross to my trophies at last I lay down. cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. At noon, 
Darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Then, at three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. Wait, he said, let's see whether Elijah comes to take him down. Then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last, and the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. When the Roman officer who was facing him saw how he had died, he exclaimed, This man truly was the Son of God. Here the greatest of juxtapositions uh, stand in contrast to one another. Jesus, who was perfect. Jesus, who's part of the Godhead for all eternity, Father, Son, and Spirit, has now taken on the shame and the sin and the brokenness of humanity. And his Father, Father God, turns his face away from him. And the greatest contrast lies in this moment because the veil, the curtain in the temple that separated the holy place, the presence of God from humanity has now been torn in this moment. And we have now witnessed this bridging of this divide between God and man. And Jesus becomes that intermediary. He becomes that perfect sacrifice, but also that high priest that stands in the gap for us so that we can become sons and daughters of God. This Good Friday, let's just thank God that in him being abandoned in that moment because of the righteousness and the holiness of God, we are now able to be adopted as sons and daughters of God. And as we set aside time this Good Friday to remember and to meditate on these things, we echo the words of the centurion who witnessed the death of Jesus at that cross saying, surely this was the Son of God. Stained with blood so divine, oh wondrous beauty I see. For it was on that old cross Jesus suffered and died to pardon and sanctify me. So I'll cheer. watching from a distance, including Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James the Younger, and of Joseph, and Salome. They had been followers of Jesus and had cared for him while he was in Galilee. Many other women who had come with him to Jerusalem were also there. This all happened on Friday, the day of preparation, the day before the Sabbath. As evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea took a risk and went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Joseph was an honored member of the High Council, and he was waiting for the Kingdom of God to come. Pilate couldn't believe that Jesus was already dead, so he called for the Roman officer and asked if he had died yet. 
The officer confirmed that Jesus was dead, so Pilate told Joseph he could have the body. Joseph brought a long sheet of linen cloth. Then he took Jesus' body down from the cross, wrapped it in the cloth, and laid it in a tomb that had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a stone in front of the entrance. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where Jesus' body was laid. The Christian faith, it really hinges on three tenets, core tenets, and that's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And what's interesting about what Laurie has just read for us is we have kind of these, these little moments of witness and testimony. As you notice, Joseph of Arimathea goes to Pilate and he's requesting the body of Jesus, but Pilate doesn't believe that Jesus is already dead. So he asks a Roman officer um, if that's the case. And so we have this independent testimony, this independent witness from this Roman centurion that Jesus had indeed died at that place of crucifixion. But then beyond that, we have the witnesses of the burial itself. Joseph of Arimathea, of course, it's his, it's his tomb that he has offered to Jesus' body. But we also have Mary Magdalene and, and Mary, the mother of Joseph, as witnesses of this moment. And it's interesting that we have these cooperating testimonies that kind of give us a good indicator of the fact that Jesus did die and he was buried. And I love that God just saw fit to just give us this divine providence of cooperating testimony and eyewitness accounts that speak to the death and burial of Jesus. And, and today as we meditate on Good Friday, we, we can't help but to see it through the lens of the resurrection. You know, we have the opportunity to see it and look back on it. And we see that this is not the end of the story. The death and burial is going to, it, it only precedes that great moment of resurrection. And so that's why this is Good Friday. This is a story of hope for all of us. It changes the script. It changes the story. It's a day when the cross, an instrument of death, is now something we look to as a symbol of hope. Lord, we thank you so much for this Good Friday. We remember afresh and anew what you did for us, the pain that you suffered, the agony that you endured. But Lord, it was your love that restrains you to stay the course, to proceed with the mission, to complete that which you were called to do in this world. And we thank you. We are humbled by your great sacrifice. And I pray for everyone listening today that, Lord, you would just give us afresh and anew by your spirit, just such a sense of awe and humility as we look to the cross and all that it means, Lord, as it, as it reveals your heart and your love for humanity. And as it reveals, Lord, this new life as sons and daughters of God that we get to um, experience and enjoy. So, Lord, we thank you for this Good Friday. Lord, would you bless each one as they hear in Jesus' name. Amen. To the old rugged cross, I will ever be true. It's shame and reproach gladly bear. Then he'll call me someday to my home far away, where his glory forever I'll share. So I'll cheer.
exchange it someday for a crown. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown and exchange it